What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday. Far too many to keep up with, along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry. This show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Guys, I usually bring you in and we chat about what's going on, uh, what we're thinking about on our dynasty minds as we lead into the main topic. But we're going to jump right in. Last week, we talked about quarterbacks and tight ends from this past year's rookie class. We have a lot of running backs to cover, so let's go head first. We'll start at the top. We'll go kind of, the, I guess, the order, close to the order that these guys were drafted in the NFL draft. So that that leaves Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the top guy to talk about. Matt, I want to pick your brain about Clyde because it was certainly an up-and-down rookie season. Uh, 101 car- or 181 carries for 803 yards and four touchdowns. He averaged 4.4 yards per carry. 36 catches for 297 and another score, but the expectations were much higher for Clyde. In redraft leagues, he was a top five pick in some places. In all dynasty rookie drafts, he was the number one pick. And, and some some leagues, even super flex leagues, Clyde was a top pick. So the expectations were certainly high, and there are many of us that are disappointed with the outcome. Yeah, especially in the reception category. Like, if you, I don't really do projections per se, but if you had asked me at the beginning, I would say he'd probably get 50 plus, right? And he did, he barely got 50 targets. He had 54 targets, just 36 catches on that. So I think that was a a pretty big uh, part of him not becoming a a running back one. He finished his running back 22 on the season. Uh, And, you know, the concern, one of the concerns for me is, okay, Damian Williams is going to be 29, but he is under contract for 2021. They obviously liked what they had out of him before he opted out this season. That's why Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was not the number the 1.01 until that opt-out happened, right? So if, if, if Williams does come back, still under contract, how, what does that do to his numbers? You know, So I, I'm a little bit... I am a little bit worried about him, so I wanted to go see what the market was like, as I normally do with the trade finder. And we have some 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 pretty good trades and some questionable ones here. DJ Moore, these these are all within the last week. DJ Moore and Harrison Bryant for CEH. I know you guys are DJ Moore fans, so I, I feel like you probably want that side there. Um, the Chubb and Cup for CH Debo and, and Joku as a throw-in. I kind of want if I'm competing, I probably want that other side of CH. And then this one here, CH for a fir- and, and a first for Kamara. How, how do you guys feel about Ooh. that one? Are you taking the CH side just because of the first there? Obviously, we don't know where that lies. Uh, but I kind of feel like if I'm competing, I also want Kamara. So I feel like I'm on the sell side in all of these trades. I'm surprised to hear some of those deals, honestly, because given the the obvious drop in. Clyde's value, I, I I expected to come into this suggesting he was a buy. Um, if those trades, and those are only three trades from from three dynasty leagues out there, but if those trades are any indication, uh, maybe the price has not dropped low enough. Um, yeah, you mentioned the Damian Williams situation, Matt. Clearly, once he was gone, the Chiefs wanted to rely on on Clyde really as their every down back. As their pass catching back, that didn't exactly work. You kind of mentioned that they wanted him to be their goal line back. Clearly, uh, this this number blew my mind in week one. I know you guys remember that he got six carries inside the five yard line. On those six carries, did not score a touchdown, lost two yards. The rest of the season, the Chiefs gave him three more carries inside the five. That's it. He had six in week one, three the rest of the year. He he blew his chance in week one with with that failure to uh, convert on those carries, and then of course they brought Le'Veon Bell in, 
Uh, I mean, he he didn't exactly set the world on fire either, but the the need to bring him in was was an indication of of really the disappointment that Clyde had been. In general, I still think I'm buying or I'm at least shopping for him, given the the price drop we've seen his ADP uh, really plummet. Uh, he was being valued as a top five dynasty running back for much of the season. It wasn't until December that, that he started falling off. He's still a second round startup pick and he's still uh, technically an RB one at, at RB 11 overall. Uh, I don't think his trade value matches those numbers though. Yeah. It doesn't feel that way Four running back one games four running back two games and plenty of disappointment for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, managers. We'll see how it plays out moving forward, but at this point, and the Chiefs won't won't say that, and probably a lot of dynasty managers wouldn't say it, but um, maybe overdrafted just a little that, bit. I mean, we'll that could have been, we could have seen that Chiefs team, and people said this on draft night too, this is not hindsight. We could have seen that Chiefs team with Jonathan Taylor. Or, or DeAndre Swift. Oh, yeah. Or J.K. Or DeAndre Dobbins. Swift. <laughs> right. Who were widely considered uh, better prospects going into that draft. And, and just landing in Kansas City as the number one running back taken in the draft pushed him up dynasty draft boards. All of us fell for it, at least to some extent. And, and we'll, we'll get to these other guys. But there are certainly guys uh, that have leapfrogged him once again after their rookie seasons. Let's get to one of those guys. It's DeAndre Swift, who's... Uh, current startup ADP is eight overall in RB6. He had a nice season, just 521 rushing yards, eight touchdowns, though, 4.6 yards per carry. Was a factor in the passing game in Detroit, though, 46 catches for 357 and two more scores. So came on late in the season, Matt. Three RB1 games, five RB2 games, was the lead dog in that backfield. And I think I can speak for every DeAndre Swift manager out there when I say brighter things are even expected going forward as we look towards his second season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm very high on Swift. I'm not sure if I have him quite in my first round yet as our, as our January ADP reflects. I still have a little bit of a hesitation about trusting Detroit in general. Hopefully they get uh, you know uh, some upgraded coaching staff in there, but the front office I think is a, bit, a little bit of a problem too. Uh, so currently or he finished as running back 18 overall in, in 2021, or excuse me, 2020. Uh, and uh, some trades in the trade finder. I think we found some good ones and some bad ones as usual. Uh, DK Metcalf straight up. I think I want DK there, despite the running back premium there. Uh, Nick Chubb straight up. I think that one is, again, uh, probably just depend on which player you like more. I'm probably taking Swift there just because it Me seems too. like it seems like it's his backfill, whereas Hunt is still going to be around. Not necessarily that that matters for Chubb's production, as we've seen this year. Uh, but then the last one here, I think this is pretty fair. I probably want the Swift side as well, though. Swift and Brandon Ayuk for Josh Jacobs and DJ Moore. I guess for me, I just don't get the the spike that we we have seen in in Swift's yes. ADP. Uh, back in week ten, he had a big game, uh, eighty one rushing yards. With at that point was his second best game on the ground. That ended up also ended up as the second best game. Had his best game as a pass catcher, sixty eight yards and a touchdown. He was the RB four in week ten, uh, which was late November, I believe. And then he misses three games. But by the time we we start our December ADP a couple weeks later, now he's a first-rounder in Dynasty Startup ADP. In December, he still is in January. Uh, I like Swift a ton. I don't necessarily like him more than some of the other rookie running backs, uh, and, and certainly not that much more where we see Akers and, and Dobbins and, and some of the others, including Clyde, further down in the second round. So I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm really confused about that, that spike in value that we saw. I, I, I think we, we got lured, we got lured I, into that big week 10 game. And then uh, it was, you know, fairly quiet after that. RB six overall. I mean, that, that kind of feels like his ceiling to me. Right. And, and there's, there's a lot, I mean, there, there's a lot of pluses there with Swift. Um, Dan, you mentioned his, Usage as a as a receiver there, he caught three, uh, caught at least three catches, uh, three passes in twelve of thirteen games played. That was impressive, um, and even when they started uh, using him and giving him some carries, every single game that he had at least ten carries, he averaged 
four and a half yards per carry or more. So uh, almost like a volume rusher, like they need to feed him. Adrian Peterson is a free agent. We would hope he would be gone. Uh, We'll see what this new coaching staff does. But surely, surely they're going to lean on DeAndre Swift. 13 games and and had at least five uh, targets in eight of those games. That that role in the passing game, I think, is what turns on so many dynasty managers. And more than that, uh, watching Swift as much as I did throughout the season, he just passes the eye test to me. And that might be partly because of Peterson, because they run Peterson out there on first down and he runs into the back of his offensive line and clugs forward for a couple of yards, falls forward. Then Swift is quick and shifty and, and finds a small rushing lane, slides through it for five or six yards. And you say, wow, that's impressive that the guy before that would have gotten two yards on that play. So maybe it's a little bit uh, of smoke and mirrors with DeAndre Swift, but he certainly passed the eye test for me. And as far as I'm concerned, he belongs where he is in ADP. I, I, I also disagree, Matt, that that's his upside. I think there is truly elite upside with Swift, perhaps as high as the top three running backs, uh, if he were in the right offense and used correctly. Uh, in a role like, like Alvin Kamara has with, with a few more uh, touches around the goal line. I think there's a role like that for DeAndre Swift. Uh, let's move on to Jonathan Taylor, who's, I, I would I think it's probably fair to say that most would, would think he's the top rookie running back at this point in their careers. Uh, rookie ADP of two, current startup ADP of three, Ryan. He had over 1,100 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns, averaged five yards per carry. Most impressively, 36 catches on 39 targets for 299 and a score. Did have a bad drop in the playoff game, of course, but uh, I think he at least eased some of the uh, the those that are, are, are leery of his pass-catching skills as a rookie catching those 36 passes. Six RB1 games, five RB2 games. Most of that production came late in the season, Ryan. And, and man, he was impressive in between the tackles. Had, had multiple big runs uh, with explosion between, uh, between one or two blocks and just outraced the, the secondary to big plays and, and big gains that that carried uh, dynasty managers to titles down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he showed everybody that, that doubted him at the beginning of the season, or, or I guess in the preseason when we were all moving Clyde Edwards Hilaire up to our, our RB one uh, spot. He, he proved those people wrong. Uh, even in December, when uh, our December ADP, after he had struggled, uh, through much of the season up until that point, he dropped almost out of the top 12 running backs. I think he was RB 11 or 12 that month before before shooting back up. Uh, you talked about the, the, the slow start and, and the hot finish. Weeks 1 through 12, he was the RB 21, averaged 12.5 fantasy points per game. The last several weeks of the season, week 13 on, he was the RB 1 overall, scored more fantasy points than anybody else and averaged 26 fantasy points per game. I totally agree with you. It's it's very encouraging to see um, not his volume in the passing game, but just his efficiency in the passing game because Naheem Hines is going to continue to be the pass catching back in that offense. That's not going to change. But in in, in some of these offenses, I mean, Taylor has been compared to Nick Chubb. He's been compared to, to Derrick Henry. And, and – when those backfields are healthy, those two guys just don't really even see targets uh, because they're going to Kareem Hunt or or they're you know they're going elsewhere. So it, it was good to see Taylor get some usage in, in the passing game, and, and that I think is going to boost his value. If you have any doubt that Christian McCaffrey is the RB one in Dynasty or the overall one point oh one, this would be why it, it would be because Jonathan Taylor is your your pick instead. Yeah, and it's, it's going to – and, Matt, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Taylor, you mentioned the efficiency and, and, and the, uh, the catches. Those two or three catches, Matt, that he makes every game, that's what puts him over the top with his explosive ability in the run game. We, we've run these mocks, and, and he's starting to creep into the top three in, in many of them. He falls as far as five or six in others – 
there's a case to be made that if he's not number two, he's certainly number three or number four in these startups going into next season, still only 21 years old. Yeah, and you mentioned you guys mentioned the receiving work. It, it equally impressive when you compare him to the guy that we thought was the receiving back in this class, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, right? Same number of catches, same number of touchdowns, only and actually two more yards than Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the receiving game on fifteen less targets. And I think a lot of that has to do, or at least some of that has to do with Phillip Rivers and there's questions if he's gonna be back and we know his propensity to feed running backs going all the way back to, you know, uh, Austin Eckler and Ladanian Thomas and all these guys, right? So uh, that's a little bit of a question going forward, but it does seem like he can and be involved in that facet of the game. Uh, finished the bright Ryan said finished the running back one from weeks uh, thirteen on and running back six overall. Looking in the trade finder real quick, uh, I found out that he got moved straight up for Justin Jefferson. I think you guys will both be happy with that <laughs> with that trade. That seemed like a win win trade to me. Uh, and then uh, this one is is interesting. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and a third for Diggs and an early first and Superflex. And one of the things you guys can do in the trade finder now actually is if you click through it lists the league actual league the trade happened to on the right hand side of the trade finder and you can click through and at the end of the season you kind of kind of kind of look and see where that pick falls. So that that pick is going to be one of those two top two quarterbacks uh in 2020 draft in Lawrence or Fields. So uh how are you how would you compare Taylor against those top, those top two guys? I I want Taylor. <laughs> over the two quarterbacks? Uh over Fields for sure. Um yeah, I mean this time last year we were taking Taking Taylor and and even Clyde Edwards Hilaire over uh, over Burrow and, and Tua in in spots. Uh, I know that was that's certainly not consensus, that's a good point. but I think he's in that conversation. Yeah, it certainly seems like it should be that. There's some that's an interesting trade for sure. And you know, if, if you were to look at roster construction and and how that all plays played into the the actual trade, uh, as you always do, that 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 certainly made uh made it go one way or the other uh man it, taylor was just so impressive down the stretch any concerns guys that they go back to that committee approach that we saw early in the season or, or did they flip the switch and it's jonathan taylor's offense i think Hines is still going to be involved but not not to the same extent you, you expect 18 18 to 22 touches per week for an entire season as long as taylor's Healthy, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, we did yeah. see Anthony Costanzo retire, so uh, offensive line has to be a little bit of a concern. Um, not not ready to panic over over one player. I know he was in and out of the lineup with injuries this year, uh, anyway. So, uh, we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens with the quarterback position. That could certainly change things if they go a different direction. Um, but but yeah, I'm, I'm confident in in Jonathan Taylor. He's either my RB two or RB one overall right now. Yeah, I like I like him right in the two three range for sure. Uh, even in even in um, full PPR leagues. So let's move on to Cam Akers, uh, another guy that came on strong late in the season. Just 145 carries on the year for 625 yards and two scores. Average 4.3 yards per carry, 11 catches, 123 yards, and another score through the air. Came on a little bit as a pass catcher, Matt, late in the season, which was encouraging. Just the one RB1 game, a couple of RB2 games, but it was all about what he did late in the season, that huge game that he had late in the year, and then the big games in the playoffs as well. He looks like the leader in that backfield going into next season. Current ADP suggests he's a second-round pick, 23 overall at RB14. He's a guy that we can count on, if not as an RB1 moving forward, certainly a great RB2. Yeah, absolutely. A little bit disappointing in Week 17 against the Cardinals, I believe, right? Uh, a high volume, but but the efficiency just wasn't there. Uh, but overall, I think we've been plugging this guy for the last month or so as, as a buy, and I think he's still that. Uh, only finished as the, uh, running back 45 overall through all all uh, 16 games. Obviously, he missed some time over that span and, and wasn't as heavily involved when he first came back from those early injuries. Uh, but reasonably reasonable trades right now, again, in the trade finder. Uh, this one might challenge you, Dan. Acres and a first. I, I forgot to look where this one fall. I'm just going to assume it's a mid first for DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, I think I want Acres and the first. Yeah, I think I do too. Over the aging, aging and then receiver. and then another hot player we talked about last week, uh, Jalen Hurts in a super flex format. Jalen Hurts and Cam Acres for Dak and Cephas. That seems like a slam dunk for for Hurts and Acres as well. 
yeah, easy. easy so, uh, you know, he's he's viable right now, guys. He's still viable. He doesn't have the hype as I think uh, any of these other rookie, these top five rookie running backs. So, uh, even talking about the guy we'll talk about next. Uh, so, I think we should still be buying. Ryan, late in the season, in the last six weeks, once once they went to Arizona, uh, it was it was eighteen to thirty three touches per game for Cam Akers, and with the exception of that game at, uh, against Arizona that Matt mentioned, twenty one carries for thirty four yards, he was efficient. He he was explosive. Uh, that Jets game, he got worked out of the game script because they were down, of course. But late in the year at Seattle, at Green Bay, in the postseason, 28 for 131 and a score, two catches for 45, 18 carries for 90 and a touchdown against Green Bay on the road. Uh, he was the offense down the stretch. And, man, it's just hard to project the Rams going forward without Cam Akers getting that workhorse load. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth there. I think what we saw in the playoffs is that he's their best player. He's their best offensive player. Uh, it feels like Jared Goff is, has gotten worse as the season has gone along and Cam Akers has gotten better. Uh, so I would not be surprised. And, and I think at this point we can project – that this offense runs through Cam Akers in 2021. Um, the the hot uh, end of the season and the, the with the two big playoff games plus the uh, the solid games down the stretch, I do think that's going to to really boost his his value in a stock. We we all sit around and watch those games. They're they're all idling games, all eyes on those uh, on those performances. And he had two big ones uh, to wrap up their season. So. Uh, He's another one like uh, like Swift, like Taylor. If we look at February ADP and he's around that 112, 2.01 spot, I won't be surprised at all. There's a few questions across the Rams offensive line with some aging starters as well. They don't have a first-round pick uh, in this coming draft. So there's some things to adjust. Uh, address for sure in Los Angeles that could affect acres value in his second season. We'll see how that all plays out, but something to monitor for sure. A guy we enjoyed monitoring late in the season was JK Dobbins in Baltimore. He came another running back, the rookie running back that came on strong 134 carries for 805 yards and nine scores average six yards per carry, which led these top rookie running backs on the season. Just 18 catches for 120 yards though on 24 targets Ryan and while he did come on strong in PPR leagues his usage there was a little bit frustrating from time to time ended the season including the postseason with six dropped balls which is is certain to be a factor moving forward in his usage in that area just two RB1 games but six RB2 games most of that production down the stretch of the season once again Dobbins look good at times, but there are a few plays here and there that are head scratching, Ryan, that make you think, what is his ultimate upside? Yeah, the the lack of usage as a receiver was in some ways frustrating, but honestly, we, we should have seen it coming. I mean, Lamar Jackson just does not throw a ton to his running backs in general. Uh, we got, I don't know, we kind of got uh, tricked last year because uh, Mark Ingram was so efficient as a receiver, but a year ago, Mark Ingram had 29 targets to to lead the team. The 24 targets, 18 catches for for J.K. Dobbins, easily led the team. He was the only running back who even had double digit uh, catches. So that's I, I don't see that as a knock on Dobbins, but I also don't see it as something that's going to change uh, next year or or really anytime soon. Yeah, I, I see him as more of like the like the thirty to forty catch range once he locks down that full time role, but certainly not the upside we see with these these other these other rookies, uh, and all due to that pass catching of that offense that he's in, right? So not throwing to the to the running back. He did finish as the running back twenty four all overall, despite splitting the the carries three ways. So that's 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 pretty impressive, I think. I'm still still on board with him. I have three trades here: uh, one that I wouldn't do, one that I think is crazy, and one that I would absolutely do. The first one that for he moves straight up for a 2022 first. Come on, guys. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't even move him for a single 2021 first, I, I, I don't think, uh, unless it maybe it's a top top three pick or so. Uh, my, this, this one I might actually consider selling Dobbins for. Dobbins and Michael Thomas, 
for Miles Sanders, Cortland Sutton, and an early first round pick. That might be enough to do it for me because I think I still have Sanders over Dobbins by a hair, uh, and you pick up an extra, a younger receiver there from Thomas and a first round pick. That one I would do. Uh, this one, Slayton in a, in, in a single late 2021 first, no way. Wow, I can't, I can't believe it. Honestly, um, his ADP, he, he's kind of in the same situation as Swift, where the ADP is has steadily gone up, um, and it's more of a speculative uh, selection. I think he's, I think he's two point oh one right now, so he's thirteenth player overall in our startups. Uh, I, I get that. Uh, I really like Dobbins, and and would definitely consider him there. I'm. I guess I'm just surprised that that's the consensus. I think I would, I would take him at that price over at Sw- over Swift at his current price, though. I think. Yeah, but I'd I'd much rather have Acres at the end of the second round than Dobbins at the top of the second round. Yeah, I would. I would too. That's fair. Another guy with an ADP that has climbed uh, throughout, I guess, training camp and all the way through the, the his rookie season is Antonio Gibson from the Washington football team, currently uh, 39th overall in startup ADP, RB16. His rookie ADP was 21, and he was drafted back in May all the way down at RB42. Nice season, 795 yards on the ground and 11 rushing touchdowns, guys, which carried him to a nice finish among running backs 36 catches 247 yards through the air as well five running back one games two running back two games ryan and was if not for getting banged up late in the season and losing a lot of that pass catching role to jd mckissick could have finished even higher among running backs as a rookie he was impressive at times and looks like a guy that that you can slide into your RB2 spot every single week that he's healthy. For sure. He had that, that big run uh, late October, early November, RB7, RB8, RB2 against uh, three pretty bad teams, Lions, Bengals, and Cowboys. Took advantage of those matchups and, and gained a lot of dynasty value because of it. Um, I, I've heard people talk about his, his rookie ADP in the offseason and, and kind of scoff and question – what people were thinking, taking him so low or, or ranking him so low. To me, it's it's totally understandable. I mean, if you think back, we didn't know if this guy was going to be a running back or a wide receiver. Um, he, he gets the the surprising surprisingly high draft capital, uh, obviously a plus. Uh, but then even through much of the offseason, he's behind uh, Peterson and Darius Geis on the depth chart. And nobody, nobody really – could have projected how that would go that that they would just cut Peterson out of nowhere that Darius guys would have these uh, these off-field uh, issues that uh, essentially ended his career and, and that Gibson would walk into the RB1 spot it it just you know it don't feel bad for missing on Antonio Gibson i guess is what i'm trying to say and the main narrative for that entire thing and what what pushed him down rookie draft boards what was his limited usage in college he only touched the football 77 times in his entire college career and while he was explosive and of course made all the big plays scored 14 touchdowns in those 77 touch touches uh there was just too much too many unknowns when it came to Antonio Gibson when you were on the clock either late in the first round early to mid second round uh, it was hard to put him above some of those other names, Matt. And, you know, while he while he had an impressive rookie season and he's obviously a running back and he's obviously a guy they're going to count on moving forward, there's still – he did get banged up. There's still things to be concerned over. Not that, not that that's going to push him outside that RB2 range. I, f- I feel like most should be comfortable with him right, right in the mid-RB2 area. Yeah, and maybe even a little bit higher than that. He finished his sure. run, he finished his running back thirteen on the season, despite uh, you know the, the the lower usage earlier in the season, and then the injuries at the end. So that's that's still pretty impressive. Uh, one thing looking at uh, looking at these these trades, there's only one that I really want to talk about here, uh, and it's really comparing this guy to the one we're going to talk about next. Uh, he was moved Gibson and David Montgomery for DK, uh, AJ Dillon, and Kenyon Drake. Uh, if you want the two running backs, I totally understand it. I kind of want DK, and it, it kind of led me to think about the differences between Dylan and and uh, uh, Antonio Gibson. In that, 
if 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 Aaron Jones moves on, like we all are pretty sure is going to happen, and Dylan assumes that lead back role, is is there a whole lot of difference between Dylan's value and Gibson's value? I think the one thing we can point to with Gibson is that we still haven't really unlocked his receiving ability in the NFL, and I think Dylan probably can catch the ball. But in college, if you look back, three years he had 845 carries, only 21 receptions on 38 targets over three years. So uh, we don't know if he can do it in the NFL. We we're, we're pretty sure that Gibson can do it in the NFL. But looking at those two guys, I feel like they might should be a little bit closer in value than they currently are if we do believe that Aaron Jones is moving on. Well, I know we'll, we'll get into Dylan soon here, but I, I think what you mentioned there is really why and really what makes Antonio Gibson such an exciting target in Dynasty Leagues. We know he can catch the ball. That's basically all yeah. he did in college. He lined up in the slot or lined up out wide. He was, he was used almost exclusively as a receiver. So that made it surprising that that role didn't carry forward into the NFL, but it, it's, it just feels like untapped potential and the, they'll probably stick with JD McKissick. He was certainly impressive this year as well. Uh, but when he's gone or, or if he were to suffer an injury or something, Gibson becomes one of the, one of the few three down backs in the league. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, McKissick still is un- under contract for next year, so he's probably going to be around. If Alex Smith is is still the quarterback somehow, no. uh, then then may- maybe we're a little bit more concerned about Gibson's receiving upside, but otherwise I totally agree with you. All right, let's talk about A.J. Dillon since you just brought him up. Current startup ADP has him at 81, RB25. I think most of us see him as a growing asset and somebody that is – gaining value especially with the big game late in the season against the titans there was usage of course through through the first week of the postseason run for the packers as well his rookie adp was 22 just 46 carries as a rookie 242 yards and two touchdowns averaged 5.3 yards per carry in limited use caught his only two targets as well had the huge game as i mentioned against the titans so the one rb1 game other than that not a lot of usage ryan do you agree he's a he's an asset that's gaining value with because of everything that Matt mentioned about Aaron Jones and his expiring contract? Yeah, he has to be viewed that way. Uh, but none of this is new, right? We we knew this we knew this narrative all season that that Jones that Jamal Williams were free agents that potentially one or both of them could be gone uh, that Aaron Jones is going to want the huge payday. So looking back at AJ Dillon's. Uh, previous ADP, which was all well outside the top 100 uh, before he moved up to to 81 overall this month, we're past the time of buying A.J. Dillon. That should have already happened. Uh, So, you know, now I would consider selling him. I don't think he has the – I mean, he certainly doesn't have the pass-catching chops of of Aaron Jones. I don't think he has the weekly upside of Aaron Jones. Uh, And as soon as Jones signs somewhere else, that's going to be the best time to – to move on from Dylan. We, we saw his upside against Tennessee, like you mentioned, but you know, Tennessee, uh, you know, I would say middle, I would say mediocre middle of the league at best run defense and maybe, maybe lower than that. So we saw that there. We didn't really see anything in the receiving game in that game where he did, you know, basically carry the load for the entire game. We saw one target, one catch. So uh, if he's not going to be involved that way, like Ryan said, uh, what's the upside there? Uh, Only really one trade of note in the trade finder. The rest of them, he was kind of a throw in. Uh, A.J. Dillon for Cam Akers straight away. Mm. So like Ryan said, (laughs) if you could do a deal like that, and that was within the last few days, I believe. So uh, someone that really believes that he's the next big thing after Jones moves on I would take Cam Akers in that deal all day and I think probably everybody should so uh, if you have Dylan I think he's definitely worth shopping right now based on based on what we think is going to happen with Aaron Jones maybe it would be better to wait until we know Aaron Jones moves on for that big value spike but uh, probably someone to move this offseason hmm. I'm I'm looking to add him if if he's going to be a throw-in like you mentioned and that he is in other trades I'm I'm fine adding Dylan just on the upside of getting even if it is only 12 to 18 touches a game, I, I think they're useful touches. And because he's so powerful, there's the potential for him to be a nice goal line featured player on a team that gets a lot of goal line looks. As Packers fans, do you think that they lose both Jones and Williams? No. I lean that way. I don't think I, so. I lean that Jones is gone. Uh, I have a hard time thinking somebody values Williams more than okay. the Packers do. 
Guys, Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet, and they are giving you free money and free dynasty football content with your initial deposit. You should be playing over at Monkey Knife Fight throughout this postseason run because it's a lot of fun. And when you open that new account with Monkey Knife Fight and add the minimum of a $10 deposit, you're going to receive a free DynastyLeagueFootball.com annual premium membership. If you're already a member, they're going to, we're going to extend that membership by an entire year as well. Monkey Knife Fight also is going to match that initial deposit, doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of $50. They feature football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, and more. I've been messing around with some college basketball stuff, even dabbled in some NBA uh, games offered by Monkey Knife Fight this week. It's a lot of fun, guys. You can you can stack up your favorite players and uh, at, do, go by fantasy points, go by stats, points scored, yards gained. Uh, so many great options over at Monkey Knife Fight. And you can win big money, of course. Check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience and claim your deposit match and your free DLF premium membership only at monkeyknifefight.com. Guys, we got to fire through the rest of these running backs. we got a lot of them to cover. Some guys that weren't quite as involved as the guys we started started the show with. We're going to end with some undrafted free agents that we definitely need to save a few minutes for. So let's start with Keyshawn Vaughn. Of course, everybody knows the story. He had a rookie ADP of 10. Now, not so much. He's RB31. Uh, he's dropped in value for sure for obvious reasons. Just 26 carries, just five catches on the year, Ryan. Not a featured part of that offense. Of course, they brought in a running back in the preseason, and, and you know just everything added up to Keyshawn Vaughn being third on the depth chart and not really getting a lot of opportunities. Yeah, third at best. Uh, we do expect Leonard Fournette to be gone after this season, but uh, Ronald Jones is still under contract. Yeah, Vaughn, Vaughn had 11 carries uh, throughout the season up until week 16 when he had 15 carries, so uh, more than half of his... Uh, total production came in that week 16 game. He's probably a buy, you know. I mean, he's he's going to be very cheap in Dynasty, worth taking a shot, but still not not someone I'm excited about. Yeah, I'm not sure his value has fallen really that much. I mean, some people were taking him in the end of the first round in rookie drafts, but I think largely he was a, you know, early to mid-second kind of guy. And I don't think you're going to be able to you know, pay much less than that. Maybe you can pay a late second for him. So I think he's he's kind of just a, a hold if you have him. And I, I guess if you can get him for a late second, I might buy. But I don't think I would spend an early second on him, which I think is what people are going to want based on for Fournette leaving there. So someone I'm interested in him buying, but uh, very cautiously. Bruce Arians hates rookies. Mm-hmm. And once you're not a rookie anymore, you, you the door is cracked open if you could make an impression. So we'll see what happens early in 2021. And we know he is a better receiver than Ronald Jones at this point. So if Arians decides he does want that full third three-down back kind of guy and it seems like Brady wants that guy, then then absolutely there's something to that. There's, there's still some upside for yeah. sure. Let's talk about Zach Moss, guys. Buffalo's rookie running back, rookie ADP of 18, just 100 – or excuse me, 481 – rushing yards in the season as he splits work four touchdowns on the ground another one through the air on his 14 catches one rb1 game just two rb2 games it seems to me ryan that the situation in buffalo if as long as there's two guys we don't really want either one of these guys moss is just going to mix in singletary will mix in as well i just they're roster cloggers you can't use them if they're both healthy yeah, Moss did have uh, – he he was the preferred option in the red zone over Singletary, which helps, but we know really the primary option in the red zone and everywhere else there is Josh Allen. So we, we've seen it with other offenses where uh, the quarterback runs a lot, that, that the running backs uh, not only rushing opportunity, but um, those, those dump-off passes are not there either. So, yeah, Moss is, Moss is just fine. Yeah, I thought he might take over the the lead back role from Singletary early in the season. It happened towards around the goal line, but didn't really happen over the course of the season. But I don't like you said. I don't really want any of these guys without Moss in the in the playoff game yesterday against the Ravens. Still only seven carries for twenty five yards. You know, more used in the receiving game a little bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, both of these guys are are bad for your dynasty teams right now. If you if you are looking to start either of them. 
Yeah, just just guys you're you're stashing away and hoping they get an opportunity sometime down the line. Another guy that fits that description is Darrington Evans. He only got 14 carries on the year, caught two passes, including a touchdown. Had a rookie ADP of 23 guys, but didn't make an impact. Uh, wasn't active early in the season due to injury. Missed another chunk of the year in the middle, and then late in the year had a couple carries and was involved in the passing game against Detroit when he made the two catches and got into the end zone. There's still some things to like about what he did in college, and maybe that projects forward as a useful asset, but just another roster clogger, Matt. Yeah, you know, you have to think it's Henry for at least another year, and there's really no room for a, a complimentary back there. I mean, maybe he gets more involved in the passing game, I guess, but uh, no, there's not, there's not a whole lot here. I think if you're counting on him, you're going to hold him for a while. It, it was encouraging to see him basically take over that primary backup role late in the season. Uh, maybe the upside is Naheem Hines, but I, I don't think he's getting that kind, that type of volume. Yeah, he, he took over for Jeremy McNichols yeah. late, which was, which, you know, that's not a big mountain to climb for sure. Uh, let's talk about Joshua Kelly, who did get a big opportunity throughout his rookie season, particularly early in the year, guys. But just 3.2 yards per carries on 111 totes, two rushing touchdowns, 23 catches. He turned that opportunity into just one RB2 game, didn't didn't reach the top 12. And, you know, the injury to Eckler early in the season gave him a chance, Ryan, to make an impact. He got into some starting lineups, even in some of my starting lineups. But his his peak for dynasty value was probably when he got, the, got that chunk of carries right after Eckler went down. We all probably should have sold him then. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kelly was the RB25 in week one. He was the RB25 again in week two. That was with Eckler and Justin Jackson in the lineup. And and you just see, you know, you see stars, especially when Eckler had that injury. We we hate to see that. But it, as you said, it was a huge opportunity for, for Kelly, and he just did nothing with it. Um, he only had uh, two games with 45 or more rushing yards. I'm sorry, those first two games of the season were his only two games with 45 or more rushing yards. And you talked about Jeremy McNichols. Uh, Joshua Kelly lost work to Kalen Balage to end the season. So uh, in, in some ways, he was he's maybe the most disappointing rookie running back in the class just because of that opportunity and the expectations we had of him coming in. I do think he's a reasonable buy, though, unless you really think that he's going to be behind Balazs in, in 2021. I, I have a hard time believing anyone's behind Balazs or that he's even on a roster. Uh, but Kelly, like you said, after week two, he had 23 carries, so it seemed like he, he might be that early down guy. And then in the following two weeks, in weeks three and four, he lost fumbles and I think kind of lost the trust of that coaching staff a little bit. Never Only had two, two, two games the rest of the season with double-digit carries, so uh, kind of made his own grave. Uh, but he's so cheap right now I think it's worth it he's going to be on the roster he's he's he's, he's going to be part of that backfield I think uh so I'll, I'll spend a third round pick on him yeah I'm I'm not convinced they don't add somebody an- another piece to that running back core and that he gets buried more I, I'd sell him for the third I would as well and uh Balazs is a free agent I'm not worried about him other than just the the understanding that he couldn't beat out Balazs they had to go out and sign yeah. go ahead to go out and sign Balazs late in the season when Justin Jackson got hurt uh, but he is going to be behind Eckler and Jackson, both of those guys under contract in 2021. Let's talk about a really fun player to talk about. That's James Robinson, undrafted to Jacksonville. And, of course, he he didn't really have a May ADP, only picked in one of our six mocks. Uh, current startup ADP, 30 overall in RB18. Might still be undervalued after 1,000 yards and seven rushing touchdowns on the year. Average 4.5 yards per carry against a bottom 15 offensive line. What was so impressive about Robinson's stat line for the season, guys, though, 49 catches, 60 targets, just 344 yards and three touchdowns, but seven RB1 games, Ryan, five RB2 games. He was the model of consistency, he projects forward as the starter and the bell cow running back in that offense, even with the coaching change. There might be some that are that are concerned about what Urban Meyer and company will do with that offense moving forward, but James Robinson did nothing to make any dynasty manager think that he won't be a big part of that offense in 2021 and potentially beyond. 
Yeah, the Jaguars obviously have a need at at quarterback. They'll be addressing that. We think with Trevor Lawrence, they they bring in Urban Meyer, and, and it's it's all systems go for James Robinson. You mentioned the the seven and, and five uh, fantasy performances, so 12, 12 games as a top twenty four running back. Only Alvin Kamara or da- and Dalvin Cook had more than that. And then looking at him, his status as, as an undrafted player, it's the second best season from an undrafted rookie running back ever, the 15th best season from an undrafted uh, free agent running back ever. And that includes a lot of a lot of Priest Holmes and a lot of Arian Foster in there. So that is a big mountain to climb, but uh, Robinson is, is starting out pretty well. Um, yeah, 30th overall and, and the RB18 – it does feel like he's undervalued, but then when you look at ADP, it's that's just kind of the state of the running back position right now. Uh, we were a little worried about it uh, at the end of last season, and now we add guys like Robinson and Gibson and, and Swift and Taylor. I mean, this this 2020 class has changed the position from a dynasty standpoint like we thought it might. So those 12 top 24 finishes, remember he was banged up at the end of the season, guys. He only played 14 games. So I mentioned model of consistency. I just don't know, Matt, how the Jaguars would move away from featuring him in the offense, even with all the changes that are happening in Jacksonville. I agree with you, but I don't think he's going to set records again in terms of basic in terms of rushing share. You know, I think I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but something that was like 90, 95 plus percent of, of the rushing carries in Jacksonville last year. I'm not sure that I see see that again. And based on the ADP and the things we've seen, I, I thought maybe he was still a buy too. Uh, looking at the trade market, though, I'm not so sure. He is being moved for very premium pieces. Two trades that stood out to me: Robinson and a late second. Uh, for the 1.01 again if you do you want Lawrence or do you want James Robinson in a super flex league I think I probably want Lawrence there Uh, and then Robinson in a late first in a regular one quarterback league for DK Metcalf so I think he is being moved for high priced assets Uh, you know maybe not in your league I know it's different in every single league but I think he's certainly worth shopping at that point Uh, so you know if I could buy for I mean where's the line for a buy on a first round pick I think I would probably set it right in the middle around 1.06 I'd probably pay for him but anything more than that I think I would rather have the other side. There's certainly a line where you you wonder, uh, because of him being undrafted, because of him being really an unknown going into the draft process, guys, he there there's still that lurking in the back of our head. We've talked late in the season about how we were slow to to get, jump on that James Robinson bandwagon. I, I made multiple mistakes when it came to, to that Jacksonville rushing game. I was the guy who chose Divine Ozigbo instead. That was uh, that was a big mistake. <laughs> uh, I, a guy I did add to multiple dynasty rosters during the season was Savan Ahmed for Miami. He was impressive in his limited work: seventy-five carries, three hundred nineteen yards, and three rushing touchdowns. He had that bell cow roll for a couple of weeks, turned that into uh, RB one finish, a three more RB two finishes. Matt, he was he was good, but. There's a lot of relatively good guys on that Miami roster, and if there's a team that we could handpick to place an elite rookie running back onto in this coming year's draft, it's probably the Miami Dolphins' backfield. Yeah, and if if I'm placing a chip on on one of the current Miami backs, as, as you know, just in case they don't address the position, it's still going to be Gaskin. You know, he showed it basically all season long, except for when he was injured, which was when Ahmed came in. Uh, so I still would have more faith in him, and I. I I bet they're not that much different in price. Maybe a second rounder, a late second versus a, a third round pick for Ahmed, something like that. Uh, but I'd be I'd be willing to pay a little bit more for Gaskin if I wanted to invest in that backfield as it currently stands. Ryan, how about you? You investing in any of these guys, or was it just a, a nice uh, nice fill in performance for Ahmed, and and you, you you'll move on from him this offseason? I think that's pretty much what it is. He's he's worth a shot if he's on the waiver wire, but I'm I'm not. I'm not trading for him. I I was more impressed with Gaskin. Uh, The Dolphins have two ones and two twos. So as you said, certainly could see one of those being, uh, being a running back or, or maybe they all go for Deshaun Watson. We'll see. 
there's yeah, we'll see for sure. Uh, there's a handful of other guys that are probably worth mentioning, guy fellas. Um, Anthony McFarland in Pittsburgh, Lamichael P. Ryan with the Jets, DJ Jet, DJ Dallas in Seattle, and and maybe even Jamichael Hasty in San Francisco. Is there anybody else that you're stashing, putting on the back of a roster because something you saw in college or even in his rookie season makes you think that if he's gets that opportunity he could be valuable down the stretch i think you can tell a story both for mcfarland and lamichael p ryan uh, both are going to have going to have some opportunity there we expect james connor to move on in in pittsburgh they've they're going to have a new offensive coordinator of course the jets are going to bring in uh the entire an entire new coaching staff um some sometimes that's that can be a good or bad thing for, for the holdovers. But uh, out of the names you mentioned, those are the two I would, I would be looking at this off season. Matt, anybody for you? I spaced a little bit. I don't know if you got to, to DJ Dallas yet, but if, if we're including him in the, in that group, I would rather, I would rather have him than P Ryan or McFarlane. All right, guys, last week I asked you if there was a player you had to add to your roster at their current ADP among these rookie running backs. Who is that guy? I think for me it's a toss-up between Jonathan Taylor, who has a current startup ADP at three. I think he's totally worth that. And then Cam Akers, who's at the end of the second round at 23. We talked about all the reasons for both these guys. They look like the bell cow running backs in each of those offenses. I really like the price tag of Cam Akers at the end of the second round in a startup. If you go to a different position, if you're in a regular snake draft and, and you get one of them top guys, maybe it is Jonathan Taylor at two and it slides all the way around to you at 23 and you get Cam Akers, you got yourself a couple of stud running backs for the next four, five, six years. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It would be between Taylor and and Acres for me as well, and I, I'll I'll just take the discount with Acres. Yeah, I, I I'm on, in lockstep with you guys. I still am interested in Dobbins, despite the uh, uh, you know perceived lack of and maybe actual lack of receiving game ever in his career, as long as he's with Baltimore. Um, but the, you guys, you guys nailed it with those two. Just a few more like completely waiver wire guys that are probably on the waiver wire in most of your leagues that I wanted to mention real quick. Jason Huntley, uh, Boston Scott is a is an RFA, so he might hang around in in, in Philadelphia. Boston Scott, by the way, he's about to turn twenty six. I mean, maybe I missed his age coming in, but that seems really old. J.J. Uh, Taylor, uh, James White contract is up, so J.J. Taylor may, may be slotting into that role. And then one last one, total dart throw. Drake probably moving on. Uh, you know, Benjamin, he had some hype at some point, so he's sitting back there probably behind Chase Edmonds, but a little bit of interest there as well. All right, guys, that covers all the running backs, the rookie running backs anyway. We're going to get to the wide receivers next week, which is going to be a lot of fun. Lots of guys to cover there and and certainly some studs that we're building our dynasty rosters around moving forward. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.